So glad to have you guys this morning. We had a fantastic first service, lots of excitement, and you know, it's so difficult to be a congregation and not congregate. <laughs> like, we're a congregation, but we're having to navigate some of this social distancing stuff, and we're not going to always be here, but we're going to be fading in different phases, just like our state has and our government has, but thanks for joining us today, and those of you online, you're not second-class Timber Creekians. Uh, if you are watching, you're not watching Timber Creek. You are Timber Creek, and we're so glad to have you and everybody there at Nacogdoches with Pastor Dan and Laura. Um, I, I love this scripture from Psalm 122. King David said it like this. He says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you happy to be in God's house today? Can you rejoice with me one more time, Timber Creek? <laughs> rejoiced when they said to me. You know, the Apostle Paul later in the book of Philippians, um, he, he, he uses this same terminology and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes, again, I want to say it again, rejoice, rejoice. He backs it up and he forwards it out and he, he wants to make sure, I know that you as parents, have you ever said, don't make me say that again? And God is saying to Paul through these writings, I want you to say this again. Because let me tell you something, everybody, it is hard to stay in joy mode. It's hard to let the joy of the Lord be your strength when everything seems to be draining you of strength. The scripture says, rejoice, do not be anxious about anything. And then he doubles down, pray about everything. I know that you and I have a tendency to lean into worry and anxiousness, anxiety, way more than we say, God's got this. And that, that can become an issue for the church and an issue for, for all of us. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answer. And so reminding us, understand that Paul wrote this. He didn't write it on a beach somewhere uh, sipping a, a virgin daiquiri. Uh, he, he, didn't, he, was, he wasn't getting um, a massage and kind of getting his journal out. Uh, Paul wrote this in chains. He was in prison. And write these words... Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. So there's this tension now between joyful and anxious. And we've only seen an increase in anxiety as we've been in this pandemic and then uh, over the last few weeks um, resurfacing major issues that our country has got to deal with and find reconciliation with. Joy and anxiety. The truth is, the more I even say the word anxiety, the more of you are like getting anxious. I don't even have to give you statistics on it. Just by saying it, you're trying to think, did I, did I turn off the iron? Did I do that? Did I shut the door behind me? You're, you are thinking anxiety like, ooh, I do feel that. My, you can feel your chest tighten up just using the word. It's, it's real, and you're not a second-class Christ follower if you deal with anxiety. But I want to talk about that a little bit because it's an issue. In order to get to the joy of the Lord, we've got to figure out how to handle, how to release anxiety into the right direction. When anxiety attacks, if you're taking notes and are filling the blanks there online or here uh, at our locations, you, you may want to write these down. When anxiety attacks, it happens in different ways. Um, usually it starts with panic, panic. We, 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 there's panic at the Costco. And, and, and like, we, we, just, we just panic. Panic at the disco joke. All right, no, nobody, nobody. Okay, all right, fine. We panic. 
We don't know what to do. We overreact. Sometimes panic comes in the words we say. It, it, it comes in the emotion that flares. It, it comes out of out-of-control responses. And I want to tell you, out-of-control emotions will never produce God-honoring fruit in your life. But we panic when anxiety hits. And after the panic, sometimes if we're not careful, we go outward with our panic and then we go inward and we isolate with our responses. After we panic, we isolate. And you know what can happen so often? We can focus on the negative. We focus on the negative stuff. We don't see what God is doing. We, we, we can't understand that, man, that was a good day. But all you can see is the criticism or all you feel is, is still that wound that you felt from that one person. A hundred other people have told you, I love you. Thank you for being my friend. But it's that one remark on Facebook that just gets you boiling. Again, just me? Just me? Okay. And we have to wrestle with how anxiety can lead us into these things. In this season, since part of the stay-at-home order, suicide hotline has increased by 600%, the phone calls. Um, loneliness is just is as dangerous as obesity in America. Loneliness, uh, scientists have discovered that long-term loneliness uh, does to the body what smoking 15 cigarettes a day could do to your body. Loneliness is an issue. Abuse is up. Depression is up. Um, the Miami Herald reported that one, one family attorney's office alone had 500 more filings for divorce in the month of April 2020 than they did in April of 2019. People are anxious and they don't know and they, they're worried and so they panic or they isolate or they just focus on the negative. And I understand staying home and staying safe. I, I understand if you're vulnerable, you need to do what you need to do. Um, but I also know what's happening is people are staying home and they're being abused at home and they're getting more addicted at home. Pornography is, usage is up 25% in the last uh, 90 days uh, online. There are major issues affecting us and Jesus wants to meet us not where we should be. He, he loves to meet us right where we are. Amen, everybody. He wants to meet us where we are. And I want you to know good news, good news. Just because you're a Christ follower doesn't mean you're exempt from anxiety. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden everything's going to be a slow motion run to Jesus in a, in a field of daisies like Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music. In fact, even the strongest among us fall prey to anxiety. Even the strongest among us. The Bible is full of of real life people who got into situations and they didn't do well. They fell to anxiety and panic and focus on the negative and did wrong things and, 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 and responded in the wrong way. Noah got drunk. Abraham uh, dealt with issues. Jacob was a liar. Uh, uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Uh, uh, the, the, that's a joke. Um, if you don't know, uh, David committed murder. Peter denied Christ. The disciples couldn't even stay up for a few minutes and pray with Jesus on the night he's betrayed. And they dealt with anxiety too. Even the strongest among us fall prey. And there's, there's a real person in the Old Testament. His name is Elijah. He just shows up full grown on the scene. We don't know his, his home life. We don't know how he felt the call of God. We just know that he stands on the stage of human history. And he shows up in the Old Testament. And he has faith like iron. He, he sees multiple miracles performed. He goes face to face with 850 false prophets 
prophets of Baal, prophets of Ashereth, and go into this like royal rumble, WWE spiritual competition where he says, you cry out to God, I'll cry out to God. We'll make an altar. If fire falls from heaven from your God, I'll bow down and serve you. If fire falls from my heaven and takes my uh, sacrifice, then you guys bow down to us. Well, sure enough, those 850 cut themselves and cried out and wailed. And it was, if you read the, you ought to read the Bible. It's really interesting. Uh, in 1 Kings 19 or 18, you can read about how, how Elijah even says he kind of taunts them. He kind of like, you know, I know you are, but what am I kind of thing? Because as they're cutting themselves and crying out, he's like, cry harder. You know, your mama. Like, like it's, it's an intent. Like he's, he's taunting them. And sure enough, he calls on to God, God from heaven since fire. And it soaks up the entire sacrifice. And 850 false prophets are defeated that day. But it's not, some, not as soon as he experiences this miracle that the queen Jezebel, uh, the wife of King Ahab, sends him a little tweet. And on that tweet says, your head are going to roll down the stairs of this kingdom by tomorrow. And this man of God who has seen untold miracles, he freaks out. He he hesitates, he panics, and he runs from God, or he runs from the situation, and he deals with anxiety. We pick up the story in 1 Kings 19. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. Panic. He's, he panics. Moving on, he, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Isolation. He comes to a broom bush, it's a, it's a bush made of brooms. And uh, it's a joke. Sat down under it and prayed that he might die. Now, this is like, this is the crazy prayer that someone says like real loud at Cracker Barrel and you kind of, you take notice, you know? Like, like normally when you're, you're praying over your food, it's rub-a-dub-dub, Lord, thanks for the grub. Or you say a nice sweet prayer, thank you for the hands that made it, you know, all this. But anybody ever sat down at a prayer over lunch, you know, and somebody says, I've had enough, Lord! Maybe you heard your mom or your dad say that, teenager, you know, over the last 12 weeks of spring break that you had, you know. I've had enough, God. Elijah's had enough. He says, take my life. He's suicidal. I'm no better. He's focusing on the negative. I'm no better than my ancestors. His ancestors were pagans, and God had used them in a mighty way, but he couldn't see what God was trying to do because experiences were blinding him from the move of God in his life. And I wonder... How many of us deal with the same? God's good all the time, but the moment our experiences show up, um, we tend to forget. As a matter of fact, Elijah met with panic and he isolated, he focused on the negative, but here's the one thing he did that as Christ followers, um, we, we do too. We easily forget God. When the going gets tough, your God is strong enough but when the going gets tough, many times we try to pick ourselves up from our own bootstraps. When the going gets tough, we try to have an answer. We, we try to intellectually bend the situation. Um, or or we, go, we go practical atheism and we just start worrying about stuff. You know, that's, that's what worry is. It's, it's practical atheism. 
When we worry and worry and worry and we don't call out to God, it's basically saying, my feelings and my emotions and my worry are going to do something about this situation. And how many know, worrying more about something hasn't quite fixed anything, has it? If anything, it's, it's, it's uh, bringing you into an even deeper anxiety. Let me show you an equation. You can write it down. Let's do some math. Um, and so, some of your parents are like, no more math, please. No more math. I've had enough. Your experiences, just write it out like that, plus forgetting God. That's, that's a dangerous equation all of us can, can face. Your experiences plus forgetting God. And I don't know what your experience is. Um, it may be the same or similar or different than mine. But you would maybe fill in your experience like your wounds or your fears, your regrets, your betrayal, your loneliness, your sickness, your whatever. Your, your, your experiences. Your experiences plus forgetting God is a surefire formula for anxiety. It's a surefire formula when we have experiences in our life and yet we forget the goodness of God in the middle of that situation. It builds anxiety. Now I want you to know the good news, everybody. The good news is this. Uh, anxiety is not a sin. When, when you feel anxious about something, he says, don't be anxious about it. Pray about it. He's not saying stop sinning. The problem is when our anxiety, uh, it, it leads us down a pathway that can produce sin. But anxiety in and of itself is not sin. Do you know what it is? It's a signal. Anxiety is a signal in our lives. I was a senior in high school. Well, my dad took me out. Uh, we, we opened a newspaper and we, we went into the uh, uh, classifieds and we circled a few, uh, a few different uh, cars that were for sale by owner. And we went and checked them out. One car that we checked out was a cool, awesome, puke green Toyota Camry. And we, it did not look puke green when we saw it in the ad. We showed up the Camry, we, we fired it up and we went on a little test drive around the neighborhood. Interestingly enough, I noticed that there was some electrical tape on the dashboard. Well, it's, it, it, as I kind of looked a little closer, I, I'm curious. I peeled away the electrical tape and the check engine light was on underneath the electrical tape. <laughs> They're trying to give me a good deal on a Camry, right? Well, they were trying to cover up the warning sign. They were trying to cover up the signal that something needs to happen. And I want you to know that when anxiety attacks, it's not a sin, but it is a signal. It's a check engine light that goes blink, blink, stays on. It says, easy, watch it, look at your tank. It's it's on your dashboard. And for some, when you see that check spiritual engine light go on, you respond in one of two ways. For many of us, most of Americans, they respond in this way, it's time to panic. As a matter of fact, when I started talking about anxiety, you, you, you had a little bit of a panic. I just went to breathe. Everybody just, hmm, don't breathe on each other, okay? <laughs> just, just breathe in and breathe out. Just breathe, like take a breath. You know when somebody panics, they say, hey, take a breath. Just like take a breather, relax. We were in Tijuana shopping at some of the shops when I was a little kid and my Aunt Debbie was there and she was uh, uh, negotiating with an, a store owner on a fake, totally you know, counterfeit Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. I think Mickey Mouse is like missing an ear or something. Uh, looked more like a rat than an actual mouse. I don't know, maybe the same. So. She's, she's uh, negotiating the price, and they agree on a price, and then he says another price when she starts paying. She's like, you didn't say that. And my Aunt Debbie, she gets ticked off. You don't tick Aunt Debbie off. 
a family rule. I don't even, it's a joke, Aunt Debbie, if you're watching. And the guy at the, at the register there in the middle of downtown Tijuana, Mexico, he's like, relax, lady, relax, count to 10, uno, dos, tres. Like he's trying to get her to relax. Take a breath, senora. Sometimes when anxiety hits, it's a signal and we panic. And here's kind of the vicious cycle of anxiety. It starts smaller and it grows. And here's one of our responses to anxiety. We want to control the situation. The marriage, the, the person who was rude, that wound, the bitterness, the, the unforgiveness, uh, the finances, we want to control. And what can happen is when you start trying to control things you can't control, you know what you do? You say, I can't control this, so your response is obviously more control. You try to control more and more. Eventually, there's greater anxiety, which produces losing control. And you feel this vicious cycle and spiral down of just giving up, panicking, isolating, focusing on the negative, and forgetting what God has done or is going to do in your life. So it's a signal. It's time to panic. But can I suggest to you a better signal, a better response than panic? And that is this. It's time to pray. Don't panic. Pray. Don't panic. Pray. And the truth is Jesus showed us so clearly how to pray. He says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name's big. Hallowed be your name. It's, it's revered. It's holy. It's, it's incredible. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation. It is the perfect prayer for you and your anxiety. You see how big God is. You're able to say, not mine, but your will be done. What you see, not what I see. It, it redirects your moral compass. It redirects your emotion. And here's the truth. I don't always have the power to control so what prayer does is it shifts the lever from control to surrender. I don't have the power to control always, but I always have the power of surrender. A lot of people can take a lot of things away from you, but you know what? The one thing they can't take from you is how you respond. You choose your response. Oh, they just drive me crazy. Stop giving them the steering wheel. Stop, stop giving them the steering wheel. You've got to surrender to that. So God doesn't respond to our anxiety with disappointment. He responds with direction. Because anxiety isn't a sin, but it is a signal, and he wants to give you the direction. And that's what he does with Elijah. Now, you would think some people have grown up with the understanding that God is really upset with everybody, and he can't wait to zap you. I've heard this a hundred times as I've been your pastor. I'd come to church, but I'm afraid the walls would, would cave in. What? What? No. In fact, the Bible says when someone far from God comes home, the entire atmosphere of heaven changes. Not to like, oh, he's going to get you. But actually, they're like, party, party. Doesn't sound quite like that. It's angels. Holy, holy, holy. That's right. That's right. Got to keep these kids entertained too, everybody. God responds to our anxiety with direction. He's not mad at Elijah for running away. Like totally bolting from an incredible miracle of God where fire fell and made crispy critters on the altar. He, 
He responds with direction. God loves you so much, he will not let you stay where you are unless you just want to. And then he won't force you to do anything. Do you know that? What he- that's what hell is. L- listen to me, those of you watching online. Hell is described in different ways in the Bible. And many times you can focus on fire and brimstone or where the devil and, and, and the fallen angels were, were cast into, like a lake of fire. But I, I want you to know that really what makes heaven heaven is not streets of gold or pearly gates. What makes heaven heaven is Jesus and his presence. And what makes hell hell is Jesus is not there. It's absent of the presence of God. And I want to say to you that Jesus, if he won't force you to live for him here, I believe in eternity. And I believe that our souls live forever. And our souls, how they live in eternity, depend on what we did with Jesus on this earth. And if you chose to follow Jesus, heaven's your home. If you say, I don't really want anything to do with Jesus, he won't force you to have anything to do with him on the other side of eternity. And that's sobering. But especially in these times where the days are evil, you need to know today is important. Today matters. And he gives us direction. It's okay not to be okay, he says. It's just not okay to stay that way. And, and God gives direction to Elijah in the middle of his own hell on earth. And here's what, here's what God says. The Lord said, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. If I could give you just a a few insights from how God responds to Elijah and how Elijah responds to God in the middle of his anxiety, I would give you just three thoughts today. There's so many thoughts we could share, but I only have time for three. The first, we we see what we can do when we apply the truth of God's word to our life. The first is this. I invite you to reposition yourself in the presence of the Lord. When you feel anxious, reposition yourself. It's a signal. You can panic or you can pray. You can go, you can go fists in or you can go palms up and you can begin to pray. And reposition yourself in the presence of the Lord. Emotionally, spiritually, and even as we're doing today, physically. Listen, ever since there's been God, there has been gathering. Okay, this isn't the first time the church has ever experienced things like, I don't know, the plague. Experience like, I don't know, like rotting flesh. Like there is major, I don't know, mass crucifixion of Christ followers and major persecution that still is happening across America today. Yet there are people that will reposition themselves in war-torn, persecuted communist countries even today where the country says you can't meet, but they meet in a crowded little place underground. Why? Because they believe in the power of repositioning themselves in the presence of the Lord. Yes, the power of God, the te- our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but there is something powerful about lifting the voice of God together. Ever since there's been God, there's been gatherings, church gatherings, sports gatherings. And I, I know there's a bunch of empty arenas right now. They're, they're going to fill back up. And do you know what's crazy about stadiums? The inconvenience. The inconvenience of stadiums. Number one, you got to buy a ticket and the good seats are more expensive. You're welcome, everybody. 
You're welcome, front row. You're in the spit zone and everything. Sorry, especially with COVID. I'm six feet. I'm six feet. We, we have, so, so, so you, don't, you don't really even get to choose your seat unless you have to spend a, a whole lot more money. When you get there, there's a parking spot right up close, isn't there? you got to walk like three miles to get to the stadium. And you know what's happening when those people are walking? <laughs> Woo! Yeah! I'm talking about my wife, everybody. That's my wife going to Cowboy Stadium. I mean, we're walking. Like, she, she doesn't want me to pull. Like, like she pull up closer to the house. <laughs> but she'll walk three miles for the Cowboys. A drink is $29? You can't wait to buy a hot dog, a hot dog, a sleeve with like mush meat in it. Mush meat, that's what it is. But yet we get there and my wife is like, these are my people. We went to a Cowboys Redskins game a few years ago and it was intense and the Redskins won. <laughs> Shocker. As we're walking down the ramp, Redskin fans are way outnumbered, but they're talking smack. And my wife's like, yeah, well, and I'm like, shut up. Shut up. She's like, yeah, you don't do that. And I'm like, yeah. I am not going to get beat up here. I am not. You're on your own, girl. You are on your own. But there's something about being around your people. Listen, if you're home and you're there, because you're vulnerable, stay home. If you're not ready to come back to church, then join us online until you're ready. But I also want to urge you, I just want to caution you. There is a fine line between being cautious and getting complacent. Twelve weeks, I'll be honest with you, I like kind of two Saturdays in a row as your pastor. I kind of like waking up on Sunday and not having to be up at 4.30 in the morning. I, I kind of like shooting film and, and three, shooting three sermons right after the next and, and just like it's, it's invigorating. And I feel rusty today, to be honest. I feel like I haven't ridden a bike in a while. You guys excite me, but I feel, I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel on my, on my pastor game today. And if we're not careful, we, we, for the sake of calling it caution, sometimes we can also get complacent. So be cautious. Be cautious, but don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. Reposition yourself in the presence of the Lord individually and corporately. Now let's go on in this story. This huge God moment happens as, as Elijah repositions himself. A great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. Epic moment, Dwayne Johnson movie. After the wind, there was an, an earthquake, shook the ground. After the earthquake came a fire. It was, it was earth, wind, and fire. And it, it happened on the 21st night of September. <laughs> Here's the second thing to do when you're feeling anxious. Let God remind you of his resume. Let God remind you of his resume. Elijah can't cause wind to blow. He may have invited the fire, but it wasn't Elijah that pushed the button that made the fire fall. It was the divine hand of God. And, and God wants to remind Elijah and he wants to remind you, it's not the country you need to rely on. 
going on. It's not this person and that person. When, when, when you are feeling defeated, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know where to go, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. A pastor who's long passed away but left us these words and have become popular words on YouTube. You can look it up and watch it. That's my king is what it's called. Dr. S.M. Lockridge, he says, let me try to describe him for you. He's the king of ages, the king of heaven, the king of glory. He's enduringly strong and entirely sincere. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Jesus supplies strength to the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. I flip the page. You want me to keep going? He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the elderly and the forgotten. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His grace is sufficient for you, and he's sufficient for me. He can't, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they could not stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Remind yourself of the resume of a risen Savior who empowers his people with the same spirit that raised him from the dead. You don't have to be anxious, but you can be if you want. So choose your response to what is driving us. Let him remind you of his resume. Now, I want to show you something as we begin to wrap up. I, there was an additional piece to the earthquake, the wind, and the fire. Um, let me show it to you. <clears throat> then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. I do want to say to you, if you're not careful, you will spend your life looking for some kind of sign. And I want you to know that signs and miracles exist. Signs and miracles and the gifts of the Spirit are real as you are, real as your breath. But signs and miracles are never meant to be the end of the story. Just like driving to Dallas, Texas, when you get Dallas 90 miles on the sign, you don't pull across and say, kids, Dallas 90 miles and get out and like worship the sign. So many people that follow Christ, if they're not careful, they chase signs and wonders. It's about the destination. It's about where you're headed. It's, it's not just about the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the destination that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit wants to give us so that we will be laborers in the harvest field. That we will actually go out and be bold and stand up for what is right. We need a spirit-empowered truth to tell people everywhere about the good news of Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, which today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. The night that Jesus is betrayed, 50 days later, is Pentecost. 
And in the book of Acts, they show up on that day of Pentecost. People are coming to the temple to sacrifice because it's a holiday. And the Holy Spirit shows up. And there are multiple people that begin to hear the message of Jesus in their own language. From every tribe, from every race, from every nation. What are we, what, what, what's God saying? Everybody needs to hear. Everybody needs to hear. But you know, sometimes it's not in the big and the bold. God goes on. After the fire came a gentle whisper. People taking sides politically, people taking sides on their understanding of systemic racism, people taking sides on their side without taking any time to just simply listen and talk. We got to get better at hanging on to what's right and hating what's evil. It's not going to be We allow the Holy Spirit to whisper to us first. Search our hearts, O oh God. Number three, let him remind you of his personal proximity. Your personal proximity. Because I can tell you that in the middle of your experiences and forgetting God, it's a concoction for anxiety. But let me give you a better, let me give you a better definition. Your experiences for forgetting God is anxiety, but let's look at it this way. Your experiences plus God's presence, his personal presence. He doesn't just want to show up corporately, but he wants to talk with you individually. He knows your name. He knows your struggle. He knows your issue. He knows your opportunity. He knows your giftings. He knows you. Let him, you place yourself in a position where you can hear the whispers of God. Your experiences plus God's presence brings peace that passes understanding. As we begin to close, I just want to say that gentle whisper, that gentle whisper, basically the definition is <clears throat> speak softly by using only your breath. You know what that's like. You, you don't engage the vocal cords. You just, you, you, you lift it up here. You just lift it up here and you just talk like that. Breath, just your breath is the language. Just your breath. Can I tell you that <clears throat> I don't recommend like talking like that to strangers, <laughs> you know, like you show up to Walmart and the, the girls, you know, check, checking out your groceries and you just kind of lean over the register. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks so much. Easy, <laughs> you know. Um, you, you ought not to get close to people like that and just, ah, it's an intimate thing. Whispers is an intimate thing. There, there are things I've, I will whisper in Janet's ear so the kids can't hear. <laughs> Am I right? Huh? There's also times I have to pull my kids aside and whisper in their ear, if you do that again, I'm smiling so you're not that embarrassed. But if you do that again, I'm going to beat you senseless. I'm kidding. To speak softly using your own, your, just your breath. There are many names of God. There are many names of God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Lily of the Valley, Rose of Sharon, Bright and Morning Star. So many names. He says, ultimately, I am who I am. I am. He's everything we need. But there's another name of God that's, that's not so much a name as it is a sound. And we would understand it pronounced Yahweh. But really, 
the intention of this name is not to be said as Yahweh. It's not a, it's not a name, it's a sound. And this, this in the Hebrew simply means breath of life. God is the breath of life. And do you know the reason why it's spelled this way is <clears throat> it's trying to grasp the understanding that just breathing in and breathing out, you're pronouncing the name of God. At the very beginning of creation, God breathed into dirt and formed you. The moment he arrived with the disciples after the resurrection, he says, peace, and then he breathes the spirit into the disciples. One of the first things we wait to hear when our child is born, you want to hear that little cry. Why? Because, because the sound of breathing means life. And if you've ever had the responsibility and the grief also the honor to sit beside someone when they take their final words more usual than not it's it's not their final words that you hear as much as you wait and then it's their final breaths and the first first thing is babies we say the last thing we'll ever say Strong or shallow makes no difference. He is the breath of life. And the most faithful of atheists has no choice but to start their life. Yahweh. And to end it. Yahweh. Elijah himself. Elijah's very name. El Elohim. Meaning God. I. That's I or mine. Yah. Yahweh. God. Mine. God is my breath. You're made in the image of God. Don't panic. Relax, lady, relax. Count to 10. Take a breath. Especially in this very, very delicate place we're in where the words, I can't breathe, have so much potency in them. When you feel like you can't breathe, when you feel like the walls are caving in, let Jesus bring you life. All locations online, would you just close your eyes and bow your head? Let's do business with God, the author of life. And if you're here and you've been struggling with anxiety, we're gonna pray, but, but maybe You've never invited, even though you've breathed life, you've never invited the breath of life into your heart for Jesus to be your savior and to give you new life. If that's you, your, your prayer would sound something like, Jesus, I surrender. I can't control stuff. So I place control in your hands. I surrender to your way. Just like Jesus, who was... His human body was feeling the anxiety as he sweat droplets of blood. 
his divine spirit man said, not my will, yours be done. So Jesus, would you save us today and give us a fresh start? We want to live for you. And for those in the room here and in Nacogdoches and online, maybe you're dealing with some anxiety. I invite you, if that's you, just put a hand on your heart. Just put a hand on your heart. Yeah. Yeah, me too, everybody. Me too. Jesus, you know. We just breathe in your goodness. And we're going to be anxious about nothing. But it's hard, God. It's hard. And so we're going to choose today. We're going to choose to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm going to say it. I'm going to remind myself tonight. I'm going to remind myself Monday morning. I'm going to say rejoice in the Lord, heart. Rejoice in the Lord, Jeremy. And again, no matter what this life looks like, no matter what kind of turmoil, I'm going to rejoice in the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. If you receive that at all locations, would you say amen? Amen. Here at Lufkin, I want to ask you, would you stand but stay where you are? I want you to sing these words with me. With Pastor Cody, just let these words not only pour over you, but I invite you to sing them as a prayer to God. That we're setting aside panic and we're signaling with, through anything we're facing, we're praying the words of this song. Go ahead, Pastor Cody. Mercy is falling, falling. We position ourselves in you. Just lift up your hands, receive it now. You're here, Jesus. Here in the presence of the Lord. Mercy is falling. We need your mercy and your grace on this nation, Father. Just lift up your hands. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked ways and we pray for healing on this land and in your people. We receive your presence inside of us and through us. Come on, sing it out. But you can move on. It's But you can move on, it's over now. Here in the presence of the Lord. Tired of running, running. Here's all you gotta do. Be still and know he's in control. Oh, baby. 